Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping our church, Sacred City Church, follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And one of the things uh, that we want to help our people do is to think rightly about God, right? And so we have this segment on the podcast we call Theology for Everyone. We hope to take um, some big doctrines, big ideas, and break them down so that we can all understand them. And we will, mainly we're shooting at like adults, young adults, parents, and then you guys can take these podcasts maybe and break them down even um, better for your children. You can share them with your children. Um, what we're working our way through the, the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. And so today we find ourselves in chapter 11 of justification, and we are in the last two articles, articles five and six. And again, just talking about justification, being made right with God. How does that work? You know, how does God look at sinful people and say, I count you righteous? Mm. That doesn't seem, you know, in a math equation, that doesn't seem like it works. Um, we're sinners. Yeah. God can't just, you know, what, what is what is God doing? If our sins are real and they've and we've sinned against God and we've sinned against man, how does does he just subtract them and throw them away? What what does he do? No, he doesn't. He takes them. He does subtract them from us, I guess, and he puts them on Christ, and then he pays the price for them himself. Mm-hmm. The, the Trinity does it himself. The Father sends the Son. The Son pays the price. The Holy Spirit applies it to our life. But there's a lot of questions people have, a lot of um, details. And uh, we're going to get into a couple more today. Article 5, I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. God, let me just ask this before I do. If I'm justified, Do I just, can I just keep on sinning? Or what happens when I'm justified? Does God justify me and he basically starts me over at zero? And then if I sin today or tomorrow or the next day, what do I do with those sins? Right? keep starting over <laughs> <laughs> so so can i be justified and then justified again and then justified again and then justified again and justified again that's the question article five is trying to answer it says this god does continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified and although they can never fall from the state of justification they may by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Mm. Beautiful. Beautifully written. Very clear. Let's go through line by line. God does continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified. We have a text. 1 John 1, 7. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. So, though we are justified, the, the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are going to continue to sin and we're never, well, let's just read it right here. And although they can never fall from the state of justification. Do we have a text? Yep, Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Okay, we hear a past tense and a present tense there. He says, he has perfected for all time those that are being saved. And so when we're justified, <clears throat> we're going, we are 100% forgiven, mm -hmm. right? We are 100% saved. Yet we will still continue to sin and we're still being saved, mm -hmm. all right? Now we can never, this is why we say, you could say, you know, once saved, always saved. You can never fall from the state of justification. Mm -hmm. You're always going to be justified, right? Why is, why is that important? Because I can't sin my way out of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. I can't, I didn't, I didn't behave my way into it, and so I can't behave my way out of it. Mm -hmm. mm, that's good, yeah. Right? And so I was brought in by the grace of Jesus, and the grace of Jesus sustains me. When I'm justified, this is what blows people's minds. My past, present, and future sins were all already paid for on the cross. Right? When Jesus elected me, he, God, or God elected me, God chose me in eternity past. God doesn't, God isn't constrained by time. Mm -hmm. God can see the past, the present, and the future all at once. Yeah. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So that means before Jesus died on the cross for me, he already knew the last sin I'm going to commit in this yeah. life. Mm -hmm. Like on my deathbed, if I sin, Jesus already knew that, and he already took that sin to the cross. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's hard for people to see is, and hear is like, it's not on our timing, it's on God's timing. And God's timing is different from ours. And when we don't see that, a lot of times it's just like, oh, well, I got to keep on earning my stripes or I got to keep on being the good old boy because, you know, I feel like now that I'm a Christian, I have to do these type of things. Yeah. And people, this is, this is one of the most important doctrines that we can understand. Because you fall off the horse on the left side or the right side, Okay. The left side says, hey, I'm justified. Woohoo! Let's go party. Let's go sleep around. And it doesn't matter how I live. I'm once saved, always saved. And I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. And, and that's not true. If you're living that way, you are not a Christian. You are not following Jesus. You have not been justified. Um, or you are in sin and you need to repent and you need to come follow Jesus and join a church and obey him, okay? Or you fall off on the right and you think, all right, when God justified me, he wiped my slate clean, but now it's up to me to stay clean. Yeah. 
Now it's up to me. So every time I have to sin, I have to repent of everything. You know, every, I've just like, I'm afraid of losing the favor of God. I'm afraid of losing the pleasure of God. I'm afraid that God's going to kick me out of the family and I'm going to sin my way out of the family. There's no freedom there. No freedom there. It's slavery. So here's what he says. So what do we do? So you fall off the left by being justified and just sinning however you want. You fall off, you can fall off the right by slavish fear of repentance, right? And being kicked out of the family. So what, what, how should you respond to your sin in the, as you sin in the future after you've been justified? Here's what he says. <clears throat> they can never fall from the state of just, justification. Yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. Now what does that mean? and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith in repentance. We got a text for that? Psalms 89, 31. If they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquities with stripes but I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be falsely to my faithfulness. Praise God. Mm-hmm. So here's what, here's what we hear. When we sin, <clears throat> we do displease God, mm-hmm. right? Because we're doing, something that he, we're doing something that hurts us. We're doing something that sins against his glory. We're doing something that sins against our brother. So that does, he takes no pleasure in our sin. So that does bring him displeasure. <clears throat> and the light of his countenance isn't upon us. That means he doesn't. Ha- we don't have his full approval. We don't have his full favor. We don't have his smiling face looking down on us right now in this moment. But the threat is not to be kicked out of the family. The threat is not to be cut off from God. The father is looking at us with a heart of love mm-hmm. and he's going to do something to discipline us, mm-hmm. right? To produce in us holiness, to produce in us a righteousness, to produce in us godly grief that brings us to repentance, okay? Mm-hmm. So when my kids, when my, let's just say one of my daughters sins against her sister, my love for her has not changed one set, one iota, right? I love her to the moon and back, all the way down. I love her. Mm-hmm. And yet, in and, and she's still a dean. She's still in the family, right? She still has my favor in, in my, she's still my daughter. I'm still going to feed her. I'm still going to clothe mm-hmm. her. I'm still going to take care of her, all of those things. And yet, in another way, in this moment, she doesn't have my pleasure, my full pleasure, my full countenance. Because I'm looking at her and going, you're hurting your sister. I'm not happy with the way you're doing that, mm. right? And I'm going to um, have a conversation with her. And, if, and then more than likely, I'm going to have, uh, I'm, she's going to get disciplined in some way, right? Yeah. Now, this discipline isn't to punish her. The discipline is to disciple her. The, dis- the discipline is, think about if I let this go. If I don't discipline her, she can become, a, she, she can grow into a tyrant mm-hmm. who abuses her little sister, 
who starts to do that at school, starts to do that with her friendships. And guess what? Several things happen. One, people don't like her. Mm-hmm. Maybe she becomes manipulative. She's going to be a horrible wife someday if she keeps doing this kind of thing. She's not bringing glory to God. Right. She's not. She's even making life uh, uh, mi- miserable for the people around her. Mm. And she's ultimately going to become, her character is being formed into the image of Satan yeah. and not the image of God's son. And mm. that's not going to go well for her right. in the world, right? Right. So, <clears throat> as a loving father, I bring discipline <clears throat> to correct that behavior. Right? God does the same thing to us. So we might feel distant from the Lord. We might feel guilty over a sin. We might feel shame over a sin. Uh, we might be corrected by our brother and sister and get embarrassed. We get called out on it. Mm-hmm. Or we might just reap what we sow and get some bad consequences. What if some parents don't correct their kids like that? Well, they're not raising up the kids in the way that they should go. They're not raising their kids. And, and um, you know, you're not, you need, you need to read Gospel Dad. Gospel Dad, plug. <laughs> you need to read Gospel Dad. Because um, this is how we're, we're called to raise our kids like God, like God treats us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we want our, our kids to understand God. Um, in an accurate way. And one of the ways they do that is through the way that we parent them. Yeah. And the way that we shepherd them. Okay. And also when I correct my daughter, one of the things that we're doing as I'm d- disciplining her is I'm restoring my countenance. Mm. Now it's like, guess what? Me and you, we can be in right relationship again mm. yeah. because you, you sinned against your sister and you sinned against this family and you sinned against me because the Bible says children honor your father and mother and children obey your father and mother. So it'll go well for you. So your sin brought chaos into this family and, and, and could destroy your relationship with your sister, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your father, your relationship with the whole family. That, I mean, that's how big this little thing is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to discipline it. And now after the discipline is done, which for me, it means a couple swats on the booty and, and confession and repentance. Now I'm going to embrace her and say, I love you. I hope I never have to do this again. And my countenance, my joy in my daughter has been restored. Her relationship... Her relationship with her sister after she goes and repents and confesses her sin. Her sister has been restored. Her relationship with the whole family has been restored. Now everybody's not walking around on eggshells trying to appease her, but we're at peace. Yeah. God does the same thing. When we... So, so here, here's what it says. <clears throat> they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. So same exact process. Um, we, we might not be in, quote unquote, right relationship with God. We might be fully justified, fully forgiven of our sins, yet not in right relationship with God because we've got unrepentant sin that God's trying to poke and prod and mm-hmm. discipline us to bring it to the surface, to confess it, and to, and to repent of it. And then we'll receive the light of his countenance mm. upon us. Okay. So you talked a little bit ago about um, the danger of falling off the horse, either to, oh, I'm justified, I can do whatever I want, or to kind of legalism. Um, 
any thoughts on why it's we we have the gospel. We have this awesome news. We should want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Any thoughts on why even in that we're so tempted to revert back to reset to law? Um I mean, I I I think I don't want to just say it's because we're sinners, but it re- it really is because yeah. because we're sinners and because um you know, we are self-righteous sinners. And so that's what parents do with their kids is their parents treat their kids in a way that God doesn't treat them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been sinning all day at work and sinning all, and they even sin, sin in the way that they parent their children and yeah. been negligent with the reading of the word of God and been negligent with church and been negligent with confessing their sin to their wife or their husband. And they've got all this unresolved conflict in their missional community. And then... There's, then they try to call call out their kid's sin for being mean with, to their sister or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, hold on. Like, the same measure that you use for your children, <laughs> God's using to measure you, you know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think we just forget. I think we um, we forget the gospel. We don't apply it to ourselves, And then we just want to use the rod or we just want to use the law to try to change our children. Um <clears throat> And and the law doesn't the law doesn't work. The law doesn't change hearts. The law is the standard, but only the gospel changes hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So that's off the top of my head, that's what I think, I guess. <clears throat> All right, lastly, Article six, the justification of believers under the Old Testament was in all these respects, one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. We got a text for that? Got a couple, yeah. Galatians 3. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Okay. Then I have Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so Abraham was justified by his faith. And so we see there in Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so... It was Abraham's faith in Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that saved him. Um, The Old Testament believers are justified by faith, just like the New Testament believers are. Now, many people don't understand this. Many people are falsely taught that that the Old Testament teaches salvation by works. That's not what the Old Testament teaches. When Paul's railing in the New Testament against salvation of works, that's what the Jews had turned it into. Mm. That's the Jews' kind of false, the Jews' false, in, the Pharisees and Sadducees' false interpretation. But as you read the Old Testament, you realize that everything that was given to them was given to them first by grace. It's all grace, and then by faith, and then works followed the grace, and works followed the faith. So we see God, Abraham here. We say God appearing to Abraham and calling him out of the, the moon-worshiping culture that he lived in. Mm-hmm. Well, he did nothing to deserve that. 
God just showed up and appeared to him and called him to come follow me. I'll make you in a, a mighty nation. Well, that, what is that? That's grace. Undeserved favor. Yeah. God shows up undeserved. And then <clears throat> Abraham, here's the deal. Ab- then when God does that, then Abraham responds in faith. He believes. He's like, okay, that's God. I believe he's really going to do that. And then what does Abraham do? He shows his faith by actually leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and moving to a land that that God would show him. So we see grace, God acting first. We see faith, Abraham believing God. And we see works, Abraham obeying God. Okay? So that is, that's the equation. That's how we're meant to respond to God. Grace first, God moves first, God comes near to us, we believe him, we obey him. Mm-hmm. If you take out any, any one of those, you're going to have something other than Christianity. <clears throat> and all through the Old Testament, it's the same way. David, David was chosen by sheer grace, right? From all of his brothers, he was the youngest and the ruddiest and all that. He was chosen out of that. He was given grace. David believed God, put his faith in it, and then David did mighty works for God, killing mm-hmm. Goliath and on and on and on and ruling and reigning, yeah. all the stuff. <clears throat> so, Old Testament believers were not saved by works. The old te- There's continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament is not, if you obey the Ten Commandments, you will be saved. The Ten Commandments themselves were a gift of grace. Mm. God came down after they had sinned a million times and they should have been destroyed in the wilderness should have been destroyed in, in Pharaoh's, you know, in Egypt. God redeemed them by the sheer grace, pulled them out of there. When they complained in the desert, God gave them water. God gave them food. God gave them quail. God gave them manna that rained from heaven. God opened up the sea and helped them walk through, destroyed Pharaoh's army. God gave them the Ten Commandments, the sheer grace of God. So God's like, this is what I've done for you. I've come near. I've saved you, I've delivered you, I've provided for you, I've called you mine, you're my special possession. Now here's my word. Yeah. Believe it. Mm. We will believe it and obey it. We won't obey it, right? And that, so, Westminster Confession of Faith, correcting some, um, and you know what, charismatic people, charismatic churches are the worst, or some of the worst at this. They don't know hardly anything about the Old Testament. They say all the time, well, that was the Old Testament. Well, that was the Old Testament. As if Jesus isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Like, like they treat the Old Testament like God was like prepubescent. He was angry all the time and, you know, capricious and frustrated. But then in the New Testament, he somehow mellowed out and got sweet. He became like a grandpa in the sky. No, it's, God's always been the same. From Genesis to Revelation, God's been the same. God saves people the same way. He just has uncovered or revealed Jesus Christ more clearly mm-hmm. in the New Testament than he did in the Old Testament. Why is it that uh, you have some people that only want to believe the Old Testament and then some people that only want to believe the New Testament as if it's not all from from God, alive, well, and yeah. sharpened than a two-edged sword? Well, the people who only want to believe the Old Testament are called Jews. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, um, and that's because that, that was the first book, right? Or first books, right? So the Jews had their books. 
uh, long before. And, and then Jesus came on the scene. And guess what? Many of the teachers of the religious law, Pharisees and Sadducees, did not accept Jesus Christ as the Lord, as the Savior, as the Messiah. And so for them, they reject they reject the Messiah. This is one of the um, key pieces of the New Testament even. Jesus shows that the, that the Jews would not receive him. He came to his own and they did not receive him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, but the people who received the New Testament only, um, <clears throat> I think because the New Testament, by and large, well, first off, Jesus is the point of the whole Bible. Yeah, pointing so, towards him. Yeah, so so the New Testament, you see Jesus a little clearer than you do in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The New Testament is shorter; it's easier to read; it's more practical. Uh, you, the Gospels just show you the story of Jesus, and so those are they suck you in, and you can kind of get this red letter only Christianity or this <laughs> New Testament only Christianity, and you think I. But here's the problem: you cannot understand Jesus accurately without understanding the old testament the book of hebrews is incomprehensible without understanding yeah the old testament one of the reasons i haven't preached um hebrews yet is because i wanted to make my way through more of the old testament because there's so many old testament allusions in the book of hebrews so i've already preached through genesis i've already preached through exodus and i've got to cover some some more um some more ground before I feel like our people can handle uh, Hebrews. Mm. So I think I think mainly, I think that mainly that's why mm-hmm. you know Jews stick to the Old Testament with some of the Apocrypha, and uh, and uh, many Christians today just stick with the New Testament, and they've been falsely taught that there's this big um, discontinuity between the Old Testament and the and the New Testament mm-hmm. when there's not. <clears throat> So why is it important to have a firm grasp that uh, salvation came the same way Old Testament, New Testament? Well, one, it's because like many atheists today make the argument that when they read the Old Testament, because they're not scholars, let me just say that, they're, they're not scholars, that they see God as mean and capricious and angry and arbitrary and he's killing people for being homosexuals or he's telling people to get stoned, he's telling people to stone somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden he gets to the New Testament. Oh, look at Jesus. He's not so nice and sweet, right? He's, he's evolved. He's evolved. And, and so they make a mockery of Christianity. Mm. And they, 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 they basically say the God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. It's a totally different religion. And it's just, it's just not, it's just not accurate. And, uh, yeah, and so that's that's one reason. And two, because the New Testament itself says all Scripture is given by God. Yeah. And, you know, it comes from His mouth, and it's profitable for all the things that we need to do, teach and correct and reprove. And so the New Testament itself, and it calls the Old Testament sacred writings and sacred Scripture and, and quotes the Old Testament so many times. So... Uh, and there's and there's a treasure trove of gospel goodness in the Old Testament, yeah. and 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 so God gave it to us for our for our good, and so we need to not throw it out because it's maybe a little harder to understand because it is old and there's a lot of names and there's a lot of places that we don't understand and 
there's kingdoms and kingdoms get divided and yeah. it's not necessarily chronological. So it's, what, what, where am I at right now in history? It's not easy. It's not easy, but it is good and it's worthwhile. And uh, especially for, for training our kids, it's yeah. uh, some of the best, you know, moral lessons that, event, that, that point to morality and the need, to, need for courage and the need for faith and trust in God in the midst of uncertainty are found in the Old Testament. And these also, they don't just point to morality, but they also point to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so uh, Old Testament and New, New Testament united. We're only saved one way. We're only justified with God one way, and that is by grace through faith in the God-man, Jesus Christ. All right, guys, hopefully this was helpful for you and helped you um, think a little clearer. If you got any questions, please email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless.